my stuff. Oh, Red Team with the strip. Red Team with the strip. He's going for it. Blue Team, stop him, please. Aaron got ball. Can he do it? He does it. Welcome to the How to Play Quidditch podcast. I'm your host, Alejo Enriquez. I want to talk today about chasing, and I want to talk about it for a couple reasons, one of which is that uh, I feel like chasing is uh, an underappreciated uh, position in the game. It's a uh, anytime uh, most teams, especially large established teams, will always put their newest players solely at chaser. They don't allow their their players to to play anything other than chaser until they're more experienced. The implication is that uh, chasing is purely about uh, athleticism and and uh, you you're not as you don't hurt the team with your mistakes as much. And while that may be true, it it really undersells the importance of the position. Um, so I want to talk today about how to play chaser better because I think there's a little bit of a stigma. Um, I think experienced players, once you've been playing for a few years, people tend to identify as, oh, I'm a beater, or I'm a keeper, I'm a seeker. And, and if someone just says, well, I play chaser, that's kind of, uh, there's not necessarily an assumption, oh, you've been playing for years, and it's more it's like, oh, well, you know, maybe once you learn the game better, you're going to branch out. And uh, the, the position is really important. Obviously, you can't, score without your chasers you need them um and so i want to talk today about how to play the position better for those first of all for those who are new of course and going to be learning the game but also for people who just want to refine their game and become better chasers and help their teams win games because that's what you need chasers for to win games so i'm very lucky today to be inviting on a uh, team usa player uh, at the chaser position who is also from South Texas and has been a teammate of mine. He is also the previous captain of UTSA Quidditch, and he is currently the captain of Lone Star Quidditch Club. He is Luke Langlinay. Hey, man. Thanks for coming on the show, Luke. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, What's it's going on? It's a pleasure. Um... Glad to have you, especially as you are, uh, like me, uh, a na- well, I'm not a native of South Texas, but I'm here now, and this is where you're from. Yeah, well, I'm from Goliad, right down the road. Yep. Half half hour from Victoria, so you're on my old stomping grounds. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and for those who don't know South Texas, a half hour is pretty close. <laughs> Plenty of li- people live within a yeah. half hour of H-E-B, and that's yeah. close. Yeah, a half hour is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> if for, for us, it's two hours to any interesting city, basically. Um, <laughs> all right, so Luke, um, I'm going to start by uh, getting to know you a little bit and letting the audience get to know you a little bit better. I'm going to ask you a few questions just uh, to, to see what, what, what your experience has all been right. like in Quidditch. So my first question yeah, for you. let's do it. What is, okay. what is a moment of personal triumph for you in Quidditch? A moment of personal triumph? Um, I have to say, uh, you know, winning nationals with MLQ, last year uh over the summer that felt pretty that felt pretty darn good i'm not gonna lie that, that was cool um to talk a little bit about that that was I mean, what to the be, austin to be honest mm-hmm. well so so it kind of it's kind of what my next point was is just making that roster that year and, and the year before too just making being part of that outlaws roster just to have my name on there that was a big uh is a big triumph, but I mean, honestly, I was just really, you know, proud and uh, excited to be on there. Just so many good players on that team, mm-hmm. and just to get the opportunity to play next to them, um, 
it was it was huge for me you know personally it was, it was huge for me i was honored to be on there and uh it was you know it was, it was awesome and and it was a learning experience i mean every summer my game just elevates so much more because i'm surrounded by those people on the weekends playing with them at such a high level and it's 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 a great experience it's awesome um but yeah i mean to to win nationals with them i mean I, it was it was cool it was awesome <laughs> Yeah, two two years ago we lost to so we lost to Boston in the finals, mm-hmm. and I might be wrong, but I think we were up in snitch points in both games of our series. I think we were up both. I think we were up both times, and they pulled the snitch in and beat us. So they won nationals two years ago, and that uh you know that sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know we 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 put a lot into it, and that that really sucked. But then so to make the team again last year go out there with the outlaws and uh and to to get our you know we got to play boston again we wouldn't have it either any other way you know we wanted to play boston in the finals getting to play them again in the finals and and 2-0 them was awesome <laughs> well, it felt good it was well it was because you guys Nothing were the personal against boston what's up you were in this actually on the same side of the bracket it was the semifinals uh the this last summer it probably felt like the de facto finals because your you're right. opponent in the finals was you're going right. to be the Indianapolis intensity. No, you're you're exactly right, and and I forgot that. Um, but that I mean that should go to show how much it meant, right? I mean, it, <laughs> for me personally, I I can't speak for my team, but for me that that game meant a lot. That was that was there's a lot on the line there. So to you know to be able to beat them, and uh, not to mention they had some Bosnia players on there who knocked me out at USQ. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bosnia's Bosnia beat us with LSQC. So, you know, I mean, personally, it was nice to get a little uh, payback, be able to walk away with the trophy that day. So it was good. Yeah. I, I definitely, there's definitely been a, a bit of a history now of high level Quidditch um, games between a top Texas team and a top Boston team, because not only, Last year, um, yeah, that that last uh, Lone Star Bank getting knocked out by Bosnia, but then also the year before that, the de facto it was basically very similar to the semifinals in MMLQ, where uh, Lone Star met Boston in the semifinals, and it was sort of treated as a de facto finals because their opponent was Rochester United, which was not as, as not held as quite as high regard. <laughs> All right, so uh, next question for you, Luke. What is the most epic Quidditch moment that you ever witnessed without actually being directly involved in it, meaning you weren't playing? You could have been refing or watching or something else. Oh, man. The most epic moment. Okay, well, I saw something pretty – What I, I thought it was really epic at regionals. And, um, oh, shoot, I forget. Okay, so it was a triple overtime game at regionals. I think it was, I think it was Baylor. I don't remember the two teams involved, but let me just, I'll, I'll paint this scenario for you. So we're in bracket play in regionals. Um, uh-huh. It's, it's win or go home. So whoever loses, I'm pretty sure they're done. You know, like they, you know, they're, they're done for the tournament. And it's in triple overtime, so it's like golden goal. Wait, hang on. No, that's double overtime. Okay, double overtime. Yeah, right. Still, yeah, golden goal. Yeah, for sure. Golden goal, and it's a brooms up. Winner go home, and it it was awesome. And so, uh, you know, I – 
it's just whoever wins the brooms up wins the game. And, you know, I, I did brooms up for a long time until I hurt my knee. And, um, you know, so as somebody who did brooms up, I love it. I think it's one of, I think it's a re- really unique part of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of aspects like that in sports. Yeah. And so for it to, uh, you know, and then it, and it's, de- it's deciding the winner of this game. So both teams put their best, you know, their best lineup out there or whatever. I don't know if they went their, their fastest guys or, or what, but they put their lineup out there next goal wins. And uh, these, so two guys, you know, they say brooms up and two guys from each side, they just come sprinting for the quaffle. Oh and, uh, and one of the, one of the teams, I don't know if he got too ahead of himself or what, but he kind of like slid into the ball and kind of like tackled the other guy. Oh, so shoot. obviously against the rule. So, you know, yellow card goes out. Oh. You know, he's out of the game, and it's a it's a quaffle turnover. Oh no! Out now they're down a guy, and they got to make a stop or they lose. And um, you know they they weren't able to. So play started, and uh, what I liked, I liked that the team had the wherewithal. The the team with the ball, they knew what was going on, and they didn't necessarily just take that free alley and go try to score. They set up their offense knowing they had an advantage and uh-huh. moved and scored, and it, it was just so awesome. I remember there's a long pass that went over the hoops. Uh, the keeper kind of chunked it over to the girl next to the hoop. The girl chaser yeah. caught for it, but that ball was in the air for probably, you know, three seconds, but it felt like an hour. It was just flying in the air. <laughs> so perfect pass. She caught it through the hoop and won the game. And, and like, that's awesome. You know, I love oh, it. I just, I love the high stakes and, you know, the team, you know, kept it together to get the win. And, you know, I mean, they, that was awesome. They deserved it. You know, I mean, double overtime, you know, talking about having, you know, getting through two snitch pools and being able to finish the game on, on a chaser's terms, you know, that obviously means a lot to me. So, so <laughs> time a chaser can end the game, I like it. And uh, that's what happened. Oh, yeah. that, and that was just epic. You know, that, that was, that was a big win for them. So. Oh man, that's gorgeous. Was that this this most recent year's nationals yeah. or regionals? Like, what, like a month ago? When was nationals? Uh, uh, regionals. It was uh, it was uh, late February. Yeah, so just a month ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh it man, just, it was awesome. People stopped. People were walking around, stopped, and were watching. People were pulling cameras out of nowhere just to film the, this like thirty second bit. It was it was awesome. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah. It was cool. Yeah, that the anything can be made more dramatic by being in overtime for sure. Absolutely, yes. that's yes. really cool. Yeah, it was cool. Oh man, that's a great answer. Okay, so for number three, third question for you: Who is someone in the Quidditch community that you look up to? Um, I've, I look up. I've, I look up to a lot of people, honestly. I mean, um, every. Every single one of my teammates I look up to, you know, with LSQC, you know, I'm, mm. I'm a captain this year and, uh, but, but I'm, I still look up to all my teammates. Like I want to, I want to play like them, you know, I want to be like them. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go through our whole 21, 25 person roster and name them all. But I mean, everybody on our roster, there's something that I have to learn from them. And, um, uh, and I'm always trying to steal a little bit of their game and put it into mine. You know what I mean? So, 
Um, so I, so as of right now, I look up to all my teammates really, you know, as far as, as like, you know, as far as, um, a Quidditch player goes and, and being the best Quidditch player I can be, I look up to a lot of my teammates. Um, you know, whenever I was first starting out, I looked up to a lot of the UT guys and girls. Um, that was kind of my role model, you know, I, cause I, I first started playing, watching them. And so I wanted to be like them and now it's, you know, now I'm playing with some of them, and I still want to, still want to be like them. So, <laughs> there are a lot, definitely a lot of living legends on Lone Star. People who've gone through the various, uh, the various uh, Quidditch factories, right? Uh, yep. Texas State, UT, and A and M players of of your who are now making a name, further cementing their legacy on Lone Star, as well as other people from smaller programs who are playing as on on Lone Star as well. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly from wherever they come from coming out of the woodwork <laughs> collecting all, the best they all bring something special and, and that special thing that they bring is what i want to implement into my into myself so oh man that's uh that's a good that's a good answer and definitely a good attitude to have as a captain of a team especially one of uh it reminds me almost a little bit of um the when when the dream team was assembled the the that was 92 i think the u.s men's olympic basketball team yep and like michael jordan larry bird like literally all the best basketball players are put onto that team and like can you imagine being the coach like of that yeah. team yeah right. exactly <laughs> like, what do you tell these guys what do you, <laughs> tell them? you know like they're all better than you they know like, <laughs> they don't even need you there you know and and yeah, ex yeah, exactly. I yeah, it makes me think of that. I, I heard a story, the coach, he was, uh, I don't remember who the coach was now, but I heard a story about him where he, like, was going to give his, like, intro speech when the team was first assembled, and you would think it's like, what are you even going to say to them, you know? Yeah. But, like, all he said was, like, I need you all to be on time. Like, that's <laughs> literally the only thing he said, because, like, Michael, if you're late, you're disrespecting Larry. Larry, if you're late, you're disrespecting Magic. Magic, if you're late, you're disrespecting Charles. You know, like, yeah. and, you know, that's all it took. <laughs> yeah, right. And I imagine being on Lone Star is a lot like that. Just a lot of people who know the game and respect the game and respect each other. Yeah, and, and, and we're never on time. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Probably on time to the tournaments. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Uh. Okay, so as the listeners may or may not know, uh, Luke is uh, well known as a uh, a very effective uh, player at the chaser position. He was, in fact, if I recall, in the Quidditch Post's uh, top five chasers on their vote last year over the, on Facebook. Quidditch uh, <laughs> I remember seeing that. Yeah, you saw that. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Honestly, I couldn't believe I was on there, but. There's a lot of Southwest. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so, so speaking for the audience, we all want to know what does it take to be a, a good chaser, and and you know, let's let's maybe start with the fundamentals. What are the things you can practice, you know, on your own or with other people that can make you better at the chasing game, in terms of the basics? Okay. So the so the basic. Well, okay, so I want to start by saying there, you know, uh, not all chasers are 
the same. You know, the, not all chasers are, are are the same. You know, you might wear the same headband. You might be both. You might both be chasers. You know, but um, but there's definitely different types of chasers in in the game of Quidditch, and you know, you should have different types of chasers within a team. Mm-hmm. And I think the the first thing you need to do is identify what type of chaser a player is, or what type of chaser you are. And and I think yeah. those the two types or the three types is you have you know from a, from a male perspective you typically have the um, the point chaser and then the wing chaser and then the and then so the, the girl chaser also uh, from a defensive aspect plays defense as well playing a, a wing type position unless you're Justine unless you're Justine uh, uh, from uh, from Gambits, then you could still be a point chaser, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, at any point, you you could end up playing point chaser for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, definitely. And so you're so you uh. So I think identifying that, identifying what type of chaser you're going to play first is important. Um, and then, you know, try to try to look at at that side of the game and and try to get reps in there. So. From a wing, from a wing perspective, you are you're locked on a player like glue. You know, I mean, you're staying right on them. You're running everywhere with them, and uh, typically you're guarding the person that doesn't have the ball, and you want to keep it that way. So you want to stay right on your person. You're gonna run around with them wherever they go. You go, and don't ever let them get open. And what that's gonna do is it's gonna put the the ball carrier their point chaser or their their ball carrier is going to put them on an island where you know if if the two wing chasers are doing their job that ball carrier is on an island by himself he has no pass options um the only option is to the player behind the hoops and that's kind of a risky long pass that you don't want him to take and um yeah so so the the wing chaser you really want to i don't know i mean shoot uh, I've played wing chaser, but I don't do it typically. But what I would what I would think is important is uh, you know having some good uh, endurance and uh, you know being able to be physical because you need to you know you're going to be fighting off screens and you're going to get shoved and pushed around. So you need to be able to stay with them mm-hmm. through all of that. But uh, but the best wing chasers that I see have met and have seen play are uh, they have a they have a mentality that is honestly really hard to coach. And it's, it's, it's just, it's a hustle mindset. And, and if they're tired or, or whatever, they, you know, it doesn't phase them. So they just, they, they're always able to get to the, uh, they're always able to get to the, you know, stay with the ball carrier. And, that, and that's really hard to coach. But so for the wing, for the wing position, as far as drills go, you know, just so you want to have like a hip fluidity, maybe if you're trying to tail someone. Yeah. Do you think that helps? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. You know, if you can anticipate their next move or just stay right, stay right on their hip. You know, you want to keep stay body to body with them, and uh, you know, it's it'd be good. And and it's easy it's easy to get a lot of good reps as a as a wing chaser if you're trying to practice your defense uh, because I'm gonna say. A hundred percent of the teams in the sport, they do a, a week, you know, they do a daily scrimmage whenever they practice, and that's mm-hmm. really the best time to practice it. You know, match yourself up against different players from your team with different builds. You know, a big, strong person, uh, you know, a shifty, quick one, 
-hmm. challenge yourself to pair up with those different types of players and, you know, see who you can hang with, see who you can cover and, uh, you know, count in your head how many times your person got the ball or, or, uh, you know, if you're able, if you effectively shut a person down, they never touch the ball for, you know, the, the entirety of the five, seven, you know, five, six, seven minute scrimmage. Hey, that's a win. You know, you might not have picked off the ball. You might have gotten a tackle, but your guy didn't touch the ball. And, you know, that's, that's a win. Alternatively, you have the point chaser. So uh, <laughs> the point chaser is going to guard, you know, you're guarding the, the ball carrier coming down the field. And, uh, I think I think typically it's more it's more of a physical position, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And uh, this this is the position that I like to that I like to play, and I typically find myself in. Um, and and uh, and so the the main point the main pointer that I can give is is footwork, footwork mm. and lateral movement, and uh, and a lot of times in this position I think you see players who are, um, you know, they're your big, strong guys. They have a lot of muscle. Um, you know, they're pretty, got some pretty good size on, on them. And, you know, those players can hit you pretty good, but a, a really good point chaser doesn't, ne you know, doesn't necessarily need to make tackles. You know, you need to have mm -hmm. footwork and lateral movement from side to side to keep that ball carrier in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to try to make a move to get past you and that's going to initiate an offensive drive. And, and at that point they've already succeeded and that's exactly what they want. And so what you need to do is shut that drive down from, from happening. And so, you know, if you can tackle them, great, but if you just have the lateral movement to keep the player in front of you and prevent them from getting past you and driving, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, you're, you're winning, you know, you're, you're shutting them down. And so that's, that's something I work on a lot is, uh, you know, footwork, whether it be on a, on a speed ladder or something with cones, uh, any kind of drill. I mean, really just move your feet as fast as you can, right. And move. And, uh, it'll really increase your foot speed and your, um, your balance whenever you're moving real quick. And then your, your lateral movement. So like a, like a basketball player, you know, watch, yeah. watch, watch, uh, you know, watch, watch any, college or NBA basketball game and watch the person guarding the point guard. And that's how, that's how you should imagine yourself out there on the field, you know, real quick, you know, staying on your toes, side to side movement, keep them in front of you. Um, and you, you know, you, you won't even have to touch the ball carrier and they're going to be, you know, really uncomfortable knowing that they can't get past you uh, or, mm -hmm. or can't get past you without having to make physical contact with you. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, so I guess the you know main two takeaways from a defensive aspect would be if you're playing point chaser, lateral movement. That's the main thing. You know, side to side, keep them in front of you. Yeah. Don't let don't let them get around you. Don't let them juke you out. Stay on your feet. And then from a wing aspect, just yeah, conditioning, um, conditioning or or a, a mentality, whatever it takes, so that you do not leave that player's side and um and yeah just just stay stay with your your person wherever they go does it you know stay with them and you're doing your job so mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely makes sense and you're talking about when you use man coverage which most teams use man coverage these days yeah um, 
Yeah, I'm talking about I'm talking about man coverage. Yeah. Yeah, zone is kind of out again. I mean, teams some teams don't usually practice. I think even Baylor doesn't even use zone anymore, and they were the ones who made it famous. Yeah, um, well, they had like yeah, they had a they had a pretty exaggerated example of zone coverage. I think I think a lot of teams use zone now, but it, I it would be hard to go into depth with that. Um, just because I think it, I think it'll vary a lot between teams, you know, how they run zone or, or what they're looking for. But but yeah, yeah. what I was talking about and defense. So typically you'll have um, you'll have two bludgers at this point, and you're you know you you have your full squad out there. They have their full squad, and you know you're you're just lining up. You know, probably the first couple minutes. You know, for snitch is off pitch. Right. Yeah, yeah snitch is off pitch and. Yeah, it's pretty standard offense defense. Right. Yeah, things definitely break down a lot more once uh, this the once the snitch on pitch, especially if you have teams dedicating yeah. all their bludger energy to the snitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely. Things can get pretty crazy there for sure. Um, so as far as um, uh, as far as far as defense, definitely tenacity is kind of what I refer to it as having that. Off-ball chasing defense, just basically just being stubborn and just being sticking yep. sticking with them. Exactly, exactly. Oh, yep. and face guarding, by the way, is illegal in some sports, but not in Quidditch. So you can literally just put your hand in their face. Yeah. And as long as they don't get wise and like run face first into your hand to try and yeah. draw a card, it's completely legal. Yeah, as long as they don't hit your fist with their face, you're okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. Would uh, talk a little bit more about tackling because I think it's one of the most difficult aspects of Quidditch, especially because there's no other sport that tackles quite the way we do. What sort of advice would you give someone who's who's new to Quidditch and wants to learn how to be a point defender? They're maybe they're physically talented to do it, but they've never done it before. Um. Okay. Well. <clears throat> well, let let me just start by saying so. Since I've been out here in Midland, Odessa, I've joined a rugby team, and I, I feel like the tackling in rugby, or I should say the tackling in Quidditch is a lot like the tackling in rugby. That's a lot what it's like. I think, mm-hmm. I think you know, football being as popular as it, as it is, everybody's used to, to football, you know, and that is like yeah. a, it's a collision with pads, and you're going head to, you know, head to head, you're throwing your head out there and trying to tackle somebody. Um and it, you know, and it, it doesn't take you long to play Quidditch until you realize that's not the type of tackling that uh, that that is in Quidditch. Yeah. Um, and so, just like you know, in, so in rugby, it's not a game of inches like football is. You really just need to get the person on the ground at any cost. Tackle them. It doesn't matter if it's you know here or five yards down the field. You just need to tackle them. And I think that's very much the case with. Quidditch as well you know um there's no first down markers it, it doesn't matter if you're if you, if you get a tackle at the top of the pitch you know at the half half pitch line or at your hoops um you know I'm sure there, there's obviously a preference on where you where you'd rather have them tackled but uh, unless they score a goal it's it's still your ball you know a turnover is a turnover it's, yeah. it's it's very different than football and I think that is hard for a lot of people to grasp you know um mm-hmm as far as, you know, what, what a tackle is, means. And, uh, and I think it's an important <clears throat> thing. It's an important aspect to understand because at that point you realize, okay, I don't need to 
necessarily fly in there a hundred percent and just decleat somebody and hit them as hard as I can and, and make a big hit. Uh, now those hits are definitely um, morale boosters and they get everybody fired up <laughs> and it, it happens. But, yeah. but uh, I feel like a smart player is going to break down, get the tackle, whether it's pretty or ugly, get the tackle, get the turnover and continue. And so I think that's a really important um realization to have is that you just you just need the tackle at any cost and at that point you can start breaking you know you start changing the way you tackle you go from you know leaning in and running forward head down and smashing into somebody into you know okay you're staying on your toes you have a wide base and uh you know depending on the situation if if you're outsized by somebody you know, if they have 20, 30, 40 pounds on you, you almost need to re- like receive them, you know? So you, you mm, keep yeah. in front of them and they're coming, you know, they, just like you recognize that they have 40 pounds on you, they're recognizing the same thing. And they, you know, they're, they're going to come into you to try to get a piece of you. So break down, mm. receive. So break down, by the way, for not everyone might know what that word, what that means. So, so to me, break down means, um, get in that, get in an athletic position, you know, so you want to bend your knees, get on your toes, uh, get, you know, you want, you want to get low. You don't want to be standing up high. You want to get real low with your knees bent, have your weight on your toes, have your arms, you know, out and ready, ready to grab onto something the ball, their arms is, you know, kind of ready, be down and mm-hmm. ready for anything. I mean, you know, just, you want to make sure that you're, uh, you're like a loaded spring. You know, so, mm. so you know. All, some all people you, they, they when they say breakdown, also they mean the the foot pattern of of chopping their foot. Is that included? Do you think, or is that not necessary for for making a tat? For I, does not is that helpful I, or not? I think if you're doing that, if you're down and you're chopping your feet like that, you're in the position. You know, um, you know that's that's definitely that's very much the position I'm talking about. You know, your knees, okay. in, you're low your head's up, you're watching and, and you're wait you're you're ready for anything. You know, if the ball goes to your right, the left, right in you, you're you're ready for that. And your next movement is going to be it, it could be in any direction. You know, like you're all you're you're cocked and loaded and ready to go. So mm-hmm. you know, it's gonna happen in an instant, but you wanna be down in that in that position. And uh, you know, if you're trying to tackle somebody who who as I was saying has a bunch of weight on you, you want to receive them and uh mm-hmm. kind of let them come into you and and basically let them run you over you know wrap wrap your arms around them as much as you can or your 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 one arm i'm sorry your one arm yeah <laughs> wrap the rugby in there <laughs> yeah, right wrap wrap your arm around them and and to me that's a that's a key point is using your arm and just use it like a vice to just squeeze 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 and uh and I think that's an important part because not, I mean, that's what you're using to bring them down. You're, you're essentially latching yourself onto them and you're going to make them carry you into the goal. And, uh, and so it's kind of nice because it's, it's, uh, they're coming into you. And so you're, you basically, you get away with a trip almost, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it should be against the rules, but a lot of people, they're going to be running. They can't carry, you know, 100, 150, you know, 200. I don't know however much you weigh. They can't carry that extra body weight with them. And a lot of times you can bring them down right on top of you. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it's not necessarily the coolest, biggest, you know, football hit that, you know, that you've seen. But as I mentioned earlier, it's a tackle and they're going down and beaters can converge on that or, you know, good wing chasers will be able to cover the desperate pass that they're going to make from the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you know, the bottom line is you, you got them down. And uh, so, you know, you, so use your weight as leverage to, to bring them down on top of you, really, you know, mm-hmm. grab, latch on and just hold on for dear life and let gravity do the rest. Cause they, they, they will go down. They will go down. <laughs> yeah. Um, in judo, I think it was the the founder of judo actually received his uh, his menkyo kaiden his um, his elevation to to instructorship when he he told his teach his teacher sensei uh, in order to throw someone you must put your hips next to theirs or lower than theirs or something something elegant in Japanese. Oh yeah. And I feel like that's very applicable. Oh yeah. I think I put it a little more elegantly, but yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not. But, yeah. But I see what you're saying. And you're, yeah, and you're right. You know, you use your weight. You know, if if they if they have you outsized, use your weight to to bring them down. You know, mm-hmm. your weight and their momentum, bring it just bring them down on top of you. Right. Back back before they changed the the contact rule, I remember it was the old days of Quidditch, like when the contact, before the contact rules were in their current state, like you'd have these like 80 pound chasers girls just tackling someone, literally just wrapping her entire body around his leg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. No longer legal. Um, <laughs> contact Probably. below the knee. Yeah. yeah. No longer legal. But contact above the knee, still legal, right? Yes. Do you guys yep. practice that at Lone Star, the uh, uh, single leg tackle or things like that? Uh, yeah, yeah. So actually, Cody Marshall, uh, I wanted to get him on here. He's he's kind of the master of that. Um, you know, in in an ideal situation where where you're one on one with somebody. Again, uh, you know, so I remember watching a, a long time ago. Whenever I was playing for UTSA, I was so hyped about quiz, like you're not good enough. I was watching film as much as possible, and I came across a video of Cody Marshall out in this. And some other UT players at the time out in this, I don't know, a little courtyard or something. They had cones set up, and it was a video on how to tackle on Quidditch. And uh-huh. obviously, six years later, I mean, it stuck with me. I'm still talking about it. But, um, and, and, it, and I think even today, it's still true with all the rule book changes. But yeah, grabbing that one leg is um, it's so important, especially in Quidditch in a sport where you have to hold a broom between your legs. It's, uh, you know, that one leg tackle is, is really, really important, but yeah, you, you know, you break down, you come up into somebody and you just wrap your arm around their leg and just yank up on it. And it, it's going to put them on their toes. You know, it's going to put them on their one leg on their toes and they're going to be hopping around looking for a pass. And I mean, you know, they're trying to hold a broom between their legs and you're, you're in there lifting their leg up. It's, it gets, it gets ugly in a hurry. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the one leg tackle is definitely still a thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, I uh, someone on our team who uh, who is familiar with wrestling and and football will single leg sometimes, but I feel like he can sometimes. No, no offense to him. Sometimes he gets lazy and just kind of hooks the leg without really making that first body contact. Yeah. Which I feel like is going to end up in a tripping call. Yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, you have to be. 
you know, if you're just lifting up the leg and you're not driving forward, you're not, you know, you're not making any attempt to drive through them. At some point, they're just going to be able to get their leg off of you. So it's ineffective mm-hmm. or your, your hand's going to slide down. You might get like a below the knee call, you know, if you're yeah. holding the leg, yeah, below the knee or tripping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so the, the defensive fundamentals, definitely there's the marking and then the actual, so off ball marking and on ball guarding and, and tackling. What about offensively? What would you say are the basic fundamental skills that a chaser can develop with practice? Uh, communication. Communication is a, is a very important piece, um, of an offense that you can develop anywhere, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you can develop it. I mean, really anywhere, not, not even when you're doing a scrimmage and not even when you're out of practice. I mean, if you're with your teammates, you're really, you know, you're working technically, you know, you're working on communication, but you know, at practice, just talk all the time. I mean, you know, we still talk, you know, we've been, you know, I've been playing for six years and I'm not even the most experienced person. There's a lot of people on the team that have mm-hmm. played longer than me, you know, by years. And, yeah. uh, and we still talk, you know, every practice, just the basic stuff, you know, Hey, coming up, they have two bludgers. They have two bludgers. Hey, I'm open. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on your right. I'm on your right. I'm covered. Just, you know, um, it's individually is all these things seem like, uh, insignificant little bits of information that you're giving your teammates but what it's allowing you to do is you know if he gets a call from the right saying you know hey i'm covered i'm covered and he's like okay i know the girl on my right is covered the guy on the left says i'm open i'm open he throws it over there and then you hear a call from your beater saying that they have two beaters you're able to paint a mental picture while you're looking Mm. for pass or you're driving I mean, you know, driving is very hard to, you know, see the field. It happens in an instant, and you're supposed to find an open receiver, not get hit by a bludger, and not get tackled by a keeper all in a split second. So having a mental image painted through communication is, is vital. And, uh, and, and to me, it's just it, – it's so important, and it's so easy to do. Anybody can do it, and, and, and it's – I mean, it's invaluable. So communication is a big one. Um, I think, you know – don't don't underestimate the power to communicate mm. or the importance of communication and uh, another one uh, chemistry you know i i hate to see i hate to say that because chemistry is always important on every team no matter what but uh but it really is you know learning your teammates tendencies and where where they like to place themselves on the field and what they're going to do next it it allows you know it allows you to you know you're going to be more comfortable out there playing with somebody who knows you and you know them and uh it's going to allow you to elevate your game to to the next level you know Um, you know, I mean, a lot of times you see like these no look passes or, you know, something like behind the back or just things that, you know, whenever you see a, a really good play, that doesn't come from the athleticism of one player, not the other, or athleticism from two. It comes from the fact that they have chemistry together and they were able to pull that off. So, um, you know, chemistry and, and knowing the tendencies of your teammates is really important. Mm, yeah. Makes um, sense. Catching with two hands, probably also on the list. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, two hands. So, yeah, that's, you know, that's a Quidditch basic. I mean, I remember, 
you know, every season on the first days of practice, we do two hands, two hands, two hands. And it's just, it's just to ingrain that fundamental two-handed catch mentality yeah. that you need to have, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Two, two hands, of course, it, it, that's very important. Um, recognition. So I think, I think another one, um, something from an offensive standpoint that, it really separates good teams from not so good teams is uh, recognition and uh, awareness of, of bludgers. And so, mm-hmm. and so, uh, you know, you, you know, at, at regionals, I saw so many times chasers and, and entire offenses converging and trying to score against two bludgers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's just something, uh, you know, you don't really see that happen um, and unless it's a very, you know, unique circumstance. You're not going to really see that happen on, you know, quote-unquote high-level Quidditch just because it's it, you're at such a disadvantage going against two bleeders, not only during your offensive drive, but as soon as you go back on defense, you're at a disadvantage yeah. there as well. And so just recognition and, uh, again, communicating to your teammates what you're seeing with the bludgers. And letting letting everybody get on the same page and attacking at the right time. I mean, that is so important. It's it's more important than. Let me put it this way: I would take I would take an offense of unathletic chasers who were aware and communicated and on the same page and and you know and aware of the bludgers over a really athletic chaser lineup who were uh, you know they were all trying to play hero ball. They were mm-hmm. out there. They just, they were more, they were more looking for a bucket and they were you know, a personal bucket than they were the team getting a bucket. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, and that, you know, which is, which I think is cool about this sport, you know, um, typically I think the most athletic and, you know, in football, uh, baseball, basketball, the more of an athlete you are, you know, the, the better. And that's definitely the case in Quidditch as well. But you can get away with not being so athletic or, you know, faster than the person next to you or, strong, or stronger than the person next to you if you're, um, you know, if you have smarts in the, in the sport and, you know, experience. And so that's, yeah. you know, it's, it's the easy things like that, that with practice and repetition and, you know, you just make it a routine and it, it helps you out so much. Yeah. That's my hope. Uh, that's my that's my hope that I can outsmart people because I'm definitely not going to out quick or out strong anyone, especially because I'm older than I look. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. We're all getting pretty old. <laughs> I'm I'm slightly annoyed that Cody is actually a year older than me, so I'm not the old man out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can't say you're the oldest, but you're also no, not I can't. Old. Sadly, <laughs> but it's it's all good. Um, so, um, talk for a minute about something. I want to get something more specific. I know that that um, some teams like Lone Star, notably, is one of the teams that does this very well. They have the chasers cut into the hoops repeatedly uh, as part of their offensive system. Talk about how how you engineer that. How you make? Because I mean, it seems like magic to people who are new to the sport. Like, whoa, how did that guy get there for the alley-oop? Like, how did that even happen? Because there's a lot going on that they don't 
see yeah. in the run up to it? How do how do you build that kind of offense? Okay, so so those the cuts that you see and everything, you know, like the cool alley oops and all that that a lot of these teams do is um, it kind of I mean, well, it comes from chemistry really, and uh, and 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 it comes from practice and the amount of epicness or the amount of awesomeness that you're going to get out of the play really comes from the uh, the athleticism of the individual going for it, right? But um, mm-hmm. but the way that it develops, the reason it happens is because the team, is, you know, the, the the chasers and the beaters are all on the same page, and uh, and so so the way that it develops is what what you're going to see is. Um, let's say, let me just, let's just do a situation here where you're you know, our team. We're on offense, and uh, and we're going up against two bludgers. So mm-hmm. they have two bludgers. We have one. Our beater is going to come up and and try to re, you know, obtain bludger control. And uh, so they're and and at that same time, as soon as the as soon as we're getting bludger control back, that's whenever the offense wants to. You know, the offensive chasers. That's whenever we want to attack, and so mm-hmm. the uh, so you know, let's say in a in a perfect world, our beater goes up, gets a beat on their front beater, um, and and at that and and we get bludgers back. And so, as an offensive chaser, you're watching the bludgers, you're watching the beaters, and you're making sure. So let's say you're the ball carrier. As a ball carrier, your eyes should be eighty percent on the beater, and on mm-hmm. on on the beater situation and 20% on your wing chasers. Cause you do need to know where your pass options are, where you're going to throw it next. What if you get charged by a beater? What if, uh, you know, you get tackled, you need to know where your options are. So your eyes are primarily on the beater game. And what you're looking for is for your team to get bludger control. And as soon as that happens, as soon as you're sure that you have bludger control, you're going to initiate a drive. And so you're going to, uh, put it, put a juke or a spin or whatever it takes. Run over your point defender, whatever it takes to get by him. You're gonna get past them. You're gonna, you know, initiate your drive and you're looking to score. Uh, and let's kind of pause the play right there. At that point, let's let's transition over to a wing chaser. Um, mm-hmm. I would say at this point you're watching twenty percent bludger play and eighty percent your ball carrier. And uh, you're 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 very active. You're moving up, down. You're uh, you know you're moving towards the hoops, back out to the wing, down behind the hoops, back up to the wing, up to the half point line, back to your position. You're you're moving around because you want to keep a gap between you and that wing chaser that's trying so hard to close that gap. And mm-hmm. that way, you're always open for a dish off pass, for you know for for any kind of outlet pass that your wing your your um, your ball carrier might need you're you're available and you don't want to mm-hmm. be stagnant and be covered and then you're you know you're really no use because you're you're covered and if the ball carrier gets in trouble you're not really an option and uh so so i'd say you're 20 percent on the bludgers because you need to recognize what's happening there and 80 percent on the ball carrier and just like the ball carrier is watching the bludgers to initiate his drive you are watching the ball carrier to initiate your drive and so the ball carrier to see an open lane because that the beater created he's going to take off and as soon as he takes that first step so as soon as he does his juke or his spin or whatever he does the wing chaser needs to cut right then 
to the hoops or behind the hoops or wherever wherever the cutting lane may be, wherever the green grass is, that's where that cut mm. needs to happen and it needs to happen right then. And uh, and that's mm. how that's kind of how those those cool alley oops or those, those cool little um, you know quick hands cut passes catch and score that's how those happen it's just the whole offense being on the same page and attacking when the lanes are there and the defense is 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 loose and so oh and then so at that point i mean it doesn't matter if you if you if you run in catch it with two hands score with two hands and you never had to take a step it's still worth the same amount of points as the alley-oop where you caught it with one hand three <laughs> it, you know it's still worth the same amount of points as far as those, you know, those little more flashy plays, it's going to come from chemistry, knowing where to, you know, what your player is going to do, where to put the ball, and uh, you know, and honestly, just athleticism of the, of the player doing the, making the play. Mhm. <laughs> Makes sense. That, uh, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm sitting here thinking because uh, I run a, a smaller team that doesn't have enough people to regularly scrimmage and constructing drills because I think I think you're absolutely right like knowing where to look and how much to split your attention is a really integral part of of pulling that off and obviously there's no substitute for a six on six but I'm thinking if I have one of my typical days with only five people at practice I can probably set up something where the ball carrier when they start that run simulating in the game when they get a lane yeah. That the wing chaser needs to know how to break and make that cut in at that moment. Yep. That's yeah. That's definitely. yeah, definitely. And and you know, so from a drill perspective, you know, especially for for smaller teams or teams with less numbers like yours, you know, you have two wings on each side. This, you know, okay, let's just take out one of those wings and just run it with a point chaser. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Chaser, uh, a point defender. So somebody guarding the ball carrier, that'd be probably pretty important. Uh, a keeper and three beaters. So that's one, two, that's seven. So seven players. Mm -hmm. And then, with you know, you could do it with six and just, uh, I don't know, maybe take out a beater. You could, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could do it with six and, and take out one of the beaters and just run a point, a wing against, uh, a point and a wing against a, I'm sorry, a ball carrier and a wing against a point defender, one beater and one keeper. So that's five. So yeah, yeah, you could do it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really it's important. And uh, you know, as you as you do it over and over and over and over, and as you play with the same people for one, you know, a semester, a year, two years, you start to uh, you know pick up on their on their tendencies. You start to pick up on your on your teammates' tendencies and it kind of becomes second nature and you know, you know, okay, well, I'm, I'm about a step faster than this guy. So I'm going to wait a little bit longer before I go, or this guy's real mm -hmm. fast. So I might need to get a head start and then you need to anticipate yeah. this a little bit. So, you know, it, it changes, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is really important. And it, it, those are just kind of rules of thumbs, rules of thumb, rule of thumb, <laughs> rules of thumb, I guess. Those, I are, guess. those are rules. Of thumb, and, uh, and, you know, I'm just on, on just how to run an offense that looks clean and has everybody on the same page. You know, everybody has yeah. their cue. So it looks like you're all reading each other's minds, but really you're just, you know, you're going off of your own individuals, individual cues. All right. You've been, yeah, you, you've been, you've been kind of 
trained through through coaching to know what to look for at the right moment. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I was thinking something similar, but it almost depends on personnel. Like, I always have to look at count how many people at my practice are dedicated beaters, dedicated chasers, or utility players, and you know, and <laughs> so yeah. with a typical practice, yeah, probably just put those beaters one on one just to create that clash, and then you need to know at that's the moment that you cut in. Yeah, I guess things like yeah. that. Yeah, 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 definitely, and and. uh you know, even if it means that your defense has to play, you know, like kind of a dummy defense, you know, or, or you know, the, mm-hmm. the quality, the quality of the rep might be a little bit less for the defense because, you know, they're playing like a an unknowing yeah. dummy defense, you know, they have to act like they don't know exactly what's about to happen. But, um, you know, for the sake of the team, it's going to benefit the offense a lot. And then, you know, switch them around. Everybody gets reps. Everybody's better for it. Yeah. Rotate everyone through every position. Yeah. Um, Get your girls ball carrying minutes, by the way, coaches, if you're listening to this, give them them their chance. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Because you never know. I mean, if there's a yellow card, you never know what you're going to end up with. Well, I mean, we – I mean, I've always been blessed. I mean, always in the last six years at UTSA, I've always been blessed to have really good girl chasers that I trust as much as the guys, and that's still true today with UTS with LSQC. So, yeah, my it's easy for me. It's easy on my side, bro. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's a, it's I wouldn't say easy for us, but it's kind of out of necessity. We everyone plays every position because we we just have to give everyone the reps in every position. But also, you know, it's. It hurts my soul when you see a beautiful pass to a, a female chaser behind the hoop. She catches it, but she's not quite in in scoring position, and she's not like trained to to drive that ten feet to the hoop and score. You know, so you gotta always get everyone those those reps. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and they're never they're never gonna, you know, nobody's gonna learn it unless they practice it. So, yeah. Uh, might be a blessing in disguise, you know, having these low numbers and, and relying on your girls to do things that typically girl chasers don't do in Quidditch. It might be a good thing because next year, two years from now, who knows, it, you know, you'll have some really capable, experienced, and comfortable girls with the ball. So that'll be Yeah, good. that's my that's my hope, actually. Uh, yeah, two girls, both named Alex, which is confusing. Oh. They joined recently, and, and unfortunately they both have – conflict so we don't get to see them too much but i'm actually hoping to train them up as ball carriers honestly our primary ball carrier missed our last tournament and so we just i was just so grateful that i had given everyone minutes at ball carrying because jansen and joseph and thomas all had to handle the ball and i was just like watching like okay <laughs> go guys yeah. Yeah, that, you know, <laughs> show me not... i didn't waste my time coaching you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, yep. You know, I always got to give everyone reps at every position. That's well, yeah. that's a personal philosophy. Yeah. Which... Especially being with a new, smaller team, you, you really, you. I mean, even with LSQC this year, we had. I mean, basically the first half of the season, everybody was a utility. Like you never knew what position you were going to play. So yeah. When a smaller, younger team, everybody's utility. You don't know if you're going to beat or chase. You might have preferences, but you know, whatever yeah. the team to do, that's what you're going to do. So that's good. <laughs> definitely <laughs> all right so last question last section i want to want to talk about for you about uh 
when you're training and you're, you're trying to, to build your team, uh, what's your personal philosophy with, with, cause obviously you've been coach of a very successful UTSA program now at Lone Star, which is a very successful program as well. Um, uh, talk a little bit about, about how much of practice time you dedicate to conditioning and drills versus scrimmage and how you, what your process is for making those kinds of decisions. Um, okay. Well, I mean, so, okay. So as far as making the decision goes, you really need to, I mean, every week you need to assess your team and see where you're at. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you know, really every week, every week of practice, I mean, you know, with Lone Star, I'm, I'm on a week to week basis because we, we practice once a week. So it's yeah. a little easier, uh, I mean, easier in, uh, in college, but with LSQC, you know, we're week to week and, uh, Every week you need to assess, you know, what's going on. Where, where do we look weak? Do we look like we're in good shape? Are we getting tired? How many water breaks do we need? How long are those water breaks? The quality of the scrimmages um, mm-hmm. is important. And, uh, and you know, obviously uh, tournaments are, are really good times to assess yourself. I mean, because you, you get to compare yourself to the rest of the competition. In the field. You get to see the people that you're going to be going up against and, it's right there in your face. You see, oh, okay, well, they scored on us three times on no bludgers, or they scored on us, you know, twice whenever we had two bludgers. That shouldn't happen. And so you really get to assess um, it at tournaments what you need to be working on. And I think that should set the pace for your practices, you know. Mm. Um, if, if you're not making tackles and, and every team at the tournament was driving through you, well, then obviously, you know, I think you should, you should be working on tackling in practice. And, um, you know, or if you started out great, you know, in the beginning of a game and at the end of the game, you were kind of, you know, people were getting tired or you might not be able to tell it, but if, you know, you might not be be able to tell by looking, but at the end of the game, if they're running up the score on you, well, you might need to do some conditioning then because, uh, you know, you're a little bit, a little bit out of shape. You might be in good shape, but at least compared to the rest of the league, you're out of shape. So... (laughs) Yep. As far as uh, proportioning out practice to fundamentals, scrimmages, and uh, conditioning, I think you need to com- you know just assess where you're at with the team, um, where your team is at at the time. But uh, but I mean I don't think you can do enough fundamentals. I mean we we always we always do fundamentals. You know I mean every day the first thing we do. I mean our, to to us our fundamental is. Uh, driving on one bludger and driving on two bludgers and those are our fundamentals and we we've done that we do it every day for 15 20 minutes every practice and you know we've been doing that for two years so obviously we all know how to do it but it's um, it's just such a key important part of the game that we do it all the time mm-hmm. and at UTSA um, I was there for three years and on the first day of practice we practiced going behind the hoops and catching with two hands. And on my last practice at UTSA, we practiced going behind the hoops and catching with two hands. I mean, we did it every mm-hmm. practice as like a warm up, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a warm after the 17th time after the 17th practice, you already know how to do it, but it's just the matter of ingraining it in your head. So that whenever you're, whenever you're in the game and you're in the double overtime and if you lose, you go <laughs> home, uh, you know, whenever that ball is flying in the air, 
you're not thinking, okay, I need to catch this ball with two hands, and I need to score it, and then we win the game. It should just feel, like, natural. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I guarantee you the team that – I think it was Baylor. I really don't know. But whoever won that game that I mentioned earlier with the double – The last team. game of the day was Sharks versus Phoenix. It might have been it. If that you're thinking it was the last game of the day, the last college game. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the last college game. It was. It was earlier. Oh, it might have been Baylor versus LSU then, because I think. Th- oh, I don't know if that one went to overtime though. Well, I was gonna say that. I was gonna say Baylor versus LSU, but I, I didn't want to because I'm really not sure. But uh-huh. um, but I, there has to be film on it. Like I said, everybody was pulling up cameras. But I guarantee you, the girl that caught that two-handed pass and quick shot score right at the end of the game. She wasn't in her own mind thinking, I need to catch this with two hands and score. It was already <laughs> her head. So I guarantee you that team, they did the fundamentals every day. So you really can't stress the fundamentals enough. I mean, nobody, you know, nobody grows up playing Quidditch. You know, nobody grows up yeah. carrying their legs everywhere. So even at 18, 19, 32 years old, you still need to practice. <laughs> Room between your legs, you know? Yep, that's true. And uh, I, one reason I love Quidditch so much, it, it it reminds me a lot of karate, which is where my background's from. And in karate, we would always do the basics, the basics, 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 basics. That's all you're really graded on, honestly. In in true Shotokan karate, well, I don't want to say true like other people are doing fake karate, but like the the schools that I came up in. We're always so much about the fundamentals, and we're out there practicing it like our life depends on it. Because guess what? It does in a yeah. potentially in a fight, and yeah. yeah, it's just that stance. It's just that reinforcement, and you know, I think that maybe people who don't quite get it yet, like in Quidditch, like in karate, are like, okay, no, I got it already. I checked that box off. But it's like, no, you don't get it. Like. It needs to be even easier. It needs to be so easy that you don't think about it even when your blood is just yeah. full of adrenaline and yeah. you're tired as heck. Like That's the thing. The true karate training, they say it doesn't start until the second hour once you're already tired because that's when you can start making mistakes that you can fix. So yeah, it's great. kind of the same thing. Yeah, that's very true in a lot of sports, I think. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But but definitely like yeah, and I, I agree with that's true or probably true with all sports, but a lot of people are playing these sports for ten, fifteen, twenty years by the time they're in, you know, college or in their twenties, you know. But uh Quidditch yeah. is new. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And you got a freaking broom between your legs. Like that no I don't care what sport you played, you never did that. And uh true. You know, so it's a it's a big you know, it's it's a hard thing to learn. So it's it's very important to do those fundamentals, you know, and, and and a player, you know, an average, an averagely athletic person, um, with great fundamentals and, and good communication is going to go a long way in the sport. You know, I feel like that's me, honestly. You know, I feel like I'm just a pretty normal guy, but you know, I I try to work with my teammates and I just try to do the little things, and uh, yeah. you know, and I feel like that that's helped me out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, just those fundamentals, they're the foundation for everything else. Yeah. One last quick question for you. Just your opinion. I've started teaching a new, because I do the basic fundamentals. We do the two-handed catching. We do, um, the, the pass and score. We do, um, uh, throwing in the run and throwing from stationary. I've added another fundamental to my training regimen recently. It's that when you're holding the broom with your left hand, saying you've got the quaff on your right hand, you tuck it. 
yep. into the crook of your left arm, holding yep. it with that, and Very then good. and then slipping and then using that that free arm. Supposing you're right-handed, that would be your right arm. Swinging that arm just to deflect a tackle or stiff arm. What would you say about the value of that fundamental? Oh my gosh, it's awesome! It's awesome. Uh, that that is that is such a big thing, and and I don't want to say that Eric Reyes, Texas State. I don't want to say he invented it, but he's the first one that made me feel the wrath of it. I remember I was playing oh, him yeah. at up. I was going for a tackle, and I'm pushing him to my right, which is his left, which should mm -hmm. be an advantage for me. And he yeah. tucked that sucker away and just gave me a stiff arm to the ground. And uh, and I was Oof. like, I, at that point, I'd never seen anybody do it, and I was like. Just I was just blown away, uh, and 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 then and then sure enough, you know, the next year at MLQ, we had a drill at MLQ. Okay, so this is MLQ. This is Major League. It's supposed to be the best yeah. of them, and we're doing fundamental drills. And we're doing one of those drills was the stiff arm, and we're doing the stiff arm drill, and we're just working on you know tucking it on the left side and and kind of giving a little push, and then on the right giving a push, and back and forth, back and forth, and. Yeah. Uh, and sure enough, now like you see a lot more players doing it, and it's is very much second nature. You know, you don't even really think about it. It's very, it's, it is a, uh, it's a really effective tool. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, very. Yeah, because I was when I was down in Peru coaching at the the Peruvian Quidditch because they're starting to do IQA. Um, I showed them that uh, at one point, just on when I was just addressing the whole organization, they'd all come out for a big group practice and I just showed them it was a little bit casual even I just took the ball and stuffed it in the basket on my left side and gave the demonstrator a little push yeah. and they were like like otra vez they're like I want to see that again <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah yeah so uh yeah I feel like and it's funny Aaron on our team sure. kind of yeah. just figured it out all by himself I didn't coach it and he just slips tackles with it usually but uh yeah. yeah, I've been trying to teach our players that that move. Yeah, yeah, that's a good move for sure. Definitely. <laughs> it's effective. Right. It helps helps a lot. <laughs> you heard it here here folks, uh, it's it's LSQC approved. Um practice tucking that ball into your to your your non-dominant arms basket while holding the broom and give your opponent a little a little love tap. <laughs> yeah. Give him a little shove. A little sw Actually, my favorite is to deflect the arm, the tackling arm, as it comes in. Yeah. If you're on, if you're moving at full speed, that's that's. Uh, as they're coming in for you, yeah. It's yeah. definitely a good uh, a good tool to have in your arsenal for sure. It's, it's yeah. good. What I usually practice is actually having people run, tuck the ball, and then they'll tuck into the 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 not the other so the other arm. Yep. Use that free arm, swing it, then pick it back up, and then they have to pass it to the next person who then runs back the other way. And that actually, because it's funny, because even people have been doing this for a year or more, the first time they do it, they always airmail their target. Like yeah. air, every single time, like just pulling out the ball, all of a sudden you realize you don't have any time left and you, you, sh you pass high. So yeah, it's, just, right. it's just a matter of practice. Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of times, as soon as you stiff arm that guy or push that guy to the ground you know if they have a beater that's worth anything they're going to see that and they're going to be coming at you so you you have yeah second to get not even just to get rid of that ball so yeah, it is, yeah. yeah you, need, you need to pop it out pretty quick yeah so you gotta practice that have that muscle memory exactly all my poor students in a and p which which structure in the brains for muscle memory it's the cerebellum
in case you were wondering. Okay. <laughs> Got to build those pathways in the cerebellum. Build them yeah. up. Build them up. There you go. Quidditch is all about the cerebellum. Yep, Most that's right. Yeah. People <laughs> acting like jocks don't don't have brains. Are you kidding? Look at how much cerebellar development it takes to do this sport. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, I want to thank you again, Luke, for coming on. This has been a blast. I've had a lot of fun. This is a really good talk. Hopefully educate the peoples. Yeah, let them in on how to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For having me, it's been fun. I hope hope it helped out. Yeah. I, I hope hey man, if even one person listens to this podcast and changes their strategy or changes their opinion and then then it's a success. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm happy with that. So uh, thank, I want to thank my audience, uh, whoever you might be, for listening and uh, hopefully appreciating our little talk here. Um, again, I'm Alejo Enriquez signing off for myself and Luke Langlinay. See you later. Thanks. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, which is the Silicon Valley Scroots B team in their one year of existence. They, it was their B oh, team, yeah. and then it turned into a rival, and then it stopped existing. So, But I had already oh, moved okay. here. <laughs> hey, oh, okay, so you were here. So you left, and they were like, well, we don't have a team anymore. <laughs>